Hey, we're so grateful that you're here on anniversary service. What is it, seven years now? It's like a blink of an eye. It just went by like that. I can't imagine. It's just, it's overwhelming, right? As you go out, uh, make sure you hit the lobby today as you go out and sign your name. We really want you to sign your name, right? When you came and every year after, right? And just that visual of, man, God is doing more and more and more and more. And we're so overwhelmed by that, honestly. But... We're not done yet, right? We're not like, hey, seven years, that was great. That's what we set out to do. Let's just roll it up and go home now, yeah? Like, that's not not what we came to do. This church will be here long after Brent leaves, long after Steve leaves, long after you leave. This church will still be here, Lord willing, for his glory. That's what we're trying to do, something that will stay the test of time. And, uh, you know, As a pastor, we say this often, you have to reinvent yourself. The many stages of preaching, the many stages of church planting, you kind of have to reinvent yourself. There has to be like another version of you, a better version of you. And um, some of you guys have heard of this uh, term, 5G. You ever heard of that? Who's heard of 5G? I guess it's a big deal. Verizon's making it a big deal. And, uh, you know, but just think about 3G. That was pretty important when I got that flip phone. And then 4G, you know, my smartphone, my iPhone, and now 5G's coming. I don't know what it's going to be like, but uh, it made me think of um, going to the next level. And (laughs) what will the next seven years look like? Will it be the same? Will we go to the next level? I'm praying, and I hope you'll join me in praying, that we'll go to the next level. We'll be the next generation disciples of Jesus Christ. So we're going to be studying that, 5G, for five weeks. Um, but let me put some slides up. I think they're here. Uh, this is uh, 1G. Yeah, that's it. When you could actually use a phone, remember that? I'm making this up. I don't think 1G was even a thing, but I remember having to do this on a phone, you know. And then there was 2G. Oh yeah, that, that, even more, even more. You know, 2G to me was like when I could do this on the, on the buttons, right? It's like, doot, 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 doot. and then 3G, oh yeah, does that look familiar? Anybody have one of those? Yeah, I was like big stuff when I had that. I remember being a youth pastor in Indiana carrying that phone. And then this, 4G, oh yeah, it's pretty familiar. You galaxy people will hate me, sorry. But it's okay, it's okay. And then 5G. The next generation, right? We want to be 5G. We want to be the next generation disciples of Jesus Christ. And so in order to do that, um, we're going to spend five weeks. It's a seven-week series, but we're going to spend five weeks on five distinctives of an authentic follower of Jesus Christ and a godly growing church. So here's the five G's. We'll put them up there for you. A church that's glorifying, a church that's growing, a church that's grateful, a church that's gracious, and a church that's generous. This is what we're going for. You say, well, five weeks, you said it was a seven-week series. I did say that, didn't I? Well, I have good news for you. It'll be seven weeks for a specific uh, purpose. Our building team has been working very hard. And uh, they've done their job. They've found us a piece of property, all right? They looked high and low for buildings everywhere because retrofitting a building would be amazing. We'd like to do that. Couldn't find anything. 
nothing out there. So we switched our search to land, and um, we found a piece of property that we think will be the home of Harvest Bible Chapel. It's a big day. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big thing to say that, and then I want to temper expectations, right? You're like, oh, oh. It, it really, you know, so far, you know, it's depended on the Lord, and I know it will continue to depend on the Lord, but he uses his people to get his work done for his glory. And so um, as we think about what's next, um, we're going to have to all give towards getting this piece of property and uh, then give again in order to build a building on this piece of property, uh, all for God's glory. So it's exciting though, huh? It's exciting. So hey, that's why it's a five-week series, 5G, with like, because we want to get your heart healthy. You're not going to give from a healthy spot if, if you like, feel like this is happening. We're not going to twist your arm. We're just going to spend five weeks getting you as healthy as we can as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then we're going to come to the sixth week and we're going to be like, hey, let's commit. Let's commit to giving uh, something to God to see this property be used for his glory and, and a building someday for his glory. And... <laughs> Week seven, Lord willing, <laughs> out by faith on the calendar is a celebration week. A week where we celebrate all that God has done again seven weeks from now. And we say, look what God has done in these seven weeks, not just in those seven years. Right? So 5G, one commitment Sunday. Well, you'll bring your commitment card. That'll come soon. You'll bring your commitment card with what you're giving that day and what you hope to give by the end of the year. We need to bring in uh, a certain amount of money by the end of the year. So here's the money. Here's the need. The need, our need is 200000 okay? $200,000. Now, that seems like a lot of money, but property in Rochester is very spendy. And so uh, $200,000 is actually just the minimum um, if we uh, bring in $200,000, uh, our church will lay down $500,000, all right, towards this land, but the, the property is $1.4 So we'll carry a debt of $900,000, okay? And we can do that. We've, we've done all the math. We can do that. It won't be a problem. But our goal is, not the need, our goal is sacrificial giving by all right? If everybody, not equal giving, but equal sacrifice, if everybody gives what they can and a little bit more, right? We sacrifice. Oh man, I don't know how God's going to do it, but I want to see him do it. And so here I go, step by faith. Uh, what happens if we raise 500,000? What happens if we raise a million? I don't know. Just means we don't carry as much debt. And that means we'll get into the building sooner. And so, uh, and be able to have a campaign to do a building uh, campaign. So, um, to build actually the building. So, all these things, it's really exciting. Um, more to come on this, but I want you to open your Bible now to Ephesians 3. I know we've studied Ephesians last year. I know you know this passage, it's very familiar to us. But I want you to see how we can go to the next level. First, personally. And together as a church, all for God's glory, all right? We want to be a glorifying church, 
A glorifying church. We want to be a glorifying church. In order to be a glorifying church, we're going to need to see God's glory because glory comes from Him. All right? So we're going to need to reflect God's glory. Let me get into it here. Um, I said chapter 3, but look back across the page at chapter 1, verse 15. He says it, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Bet you people have heard about Harvest Bible Chapel, huh? That's pretty cool. It's a good thing. Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, don't forget those words, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. You could continue reading, and he's going to get to the end. It's, I mean, I'm skipping the best part. You do know this, right? For sake of time, like you go read that. Like, God rose Jesus Christ from the dead. Bam! And therefore, there's a church right here, right now. It says that at the end, and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's just a little backdrop on our passage. Chapter 3 now, verse 14. Just look at what the word is right before we get to chapter 3, verse 14. What was the last word? Glory. Yeah, that's what kind of we're talking about today, I think. And he's like, glory and suffering. Yeah, glory and everything. Verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees, sounds like our worship talk from last week, before the Father, the Father of glory, right? From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, in your spirit, his spirit in your spirit. That's amazing. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts, your spirit, through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is a powerful passage. Last two verses are the best. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, the power of the glory of the Father, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, let's pray. God, show us your glory today. Show it to us in the lives of people. As I look across this auditorium, as I see people who have been here, who are now just coming, God, more glory 
Not to us. Not to us. But to Your name be the glory. And I pray that Your name will be more glorified as we continue to serve You better and better. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we want to be a glorifying church. Hey, church. And we want to be glorifying people. We want the glory to shine right through us. <laughs> and so, we want to be a church where, first point, we are dependent on the Father's glory. We are dependent on the Father's glory. You saw it there in verse 14. For this reason, I bow the knees before the Father, the Father of glory. We knew that from the first chapter. From whom every family in heaven on earth is named. Adam might have got to name the animals. But God named everything. In heaven and through Adam. On earth. He gave you your name. I know you think your parents did, but he did it. Through them, we're all named by God. We have an identity. We have a spirit, God-given. We have intellect, emotion, and will that according to the riches of His glory, right? This is all about His glory. We want to be a church where we are dependent on God's glory. We're dependent on the Father's glory. Now, I thought we might go to a few passages I'm going to just hope that these slides are in here because I didn't test them before church. Uh, but Psalm 3.3, look at this. Just, so, just take a little tour of the Bible and just see what I'm talking about, okay? But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. My glory. Really? My glory? No, it's God's glory. He's the lifter of my head. Uh, Psalm 62.7, the psalmist continues, he says... On God rests my salvation and my glory. Okay, that's really clear. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. And then Isaiah 6, this is one of the greatest throne room scenes. <laughs> Isaiah says, here's what the angels are doing in heaven. One called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Like everything on earth screams the glory of God. Isaiah doesn't stop there. In chapter 42, verse 7, he says, To open the eyes that are blind, to bring out of the prisons from the dungeon, from the. Uh, that's not the right verse. Hold on. I'm just going to go there because this is what happens when you don't check the slides. I got it. It's 43, not 42. I'm already on it. I'm like, that's not right. 43.7. I probably wrote that wrong. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We should switch that for next time. Somebody take note. And Romans 1.23. Romans 1.23 says, And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. We trade glory, true glory, for man-made glory. When I read this verse, because it's football day, 
This is what I thought of. Resembling mortal men, Vikings, and birds, the ravens, and animals. I think the lions are playing today. It's kind of quirky. It's kind of funny. But it's true. We take things that deserve no glory, except for if they reflect God's glory, and we give glory. Glory we don't have, glory that's not ours, to it. To it, something created. (laughs) And therefore, it says in Romans 3.23, you've all heard this verse many times, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's it. We've all sinned. We all fall short of glory. You're like, you want us to be a glorifying church? How are we going to do that? Back to the point. We are dependent on the Father's glory. We're utterly dependent on his glory. Um, This book I asked you guys to read last week. uh, Did you all read it last week? No, couldn't get it done in one week. But it has some great quotes about glory. So let me just give you a couple from James McDonald here. Glory is a manifestation of God's reality. Think of it this way. As heat is to fire, glory is to God. As wet is to water, glory is to God. As light is to bulb, glory is to God. Glory is what emanates from God. That's glory. God is glory. The part of God you're going to see is glory. Moses, Exodus 33, said, show me your glory. He said, okay, not my face, just my backside. Here you go, right? Because we can't handle God in his full on glory. What are the things that you're depending on God for right now? What are they? Now, I've been thinking about that as we enter the next seven years. What are we depending on God to do in the next seven years? We're depending on mature believers, mature disciples. We're depending on you guys all becoming more mature in Christ so that more people can come and be discipled by you. We're dependent on servant leaders, people that sacrificially lay down their time, talents, treasure, and and, and lead in these areas because they serve a king who's amazing. We're dependent on sacrificial giving. I mean, as we enter this, uh, I wouldn't call it a campaign, but an opportunity to get into some land We're dependent on sacrificial givers. So why don't you take this to personal? Why don't you write down on your paper, one, two, three. I did that for harvest. What about for us, right? What about for you individually? What about for Matt, right? What do you need from God? What do you need God to show up in your life and do this? If God doesn't show up, no way it happens. write down a few things and could you start to depend on him as the father of glory that he will do it god i need you god i need your glory only you can do it and then i'm calling you to pray on those three things that you wrote on your paper this week I'm calling you to take that list of three and to pray over it like you've never prayed before.
Maybe one of those things is, man, I don't know if I can give any money. I mean, we're, we got to fix this at our house. We got to, like, I don't know. Well, put it down there. God, it ain't happening if you don't do it. Give me a bonus I didn't expect. Bring in some money I didn't know was coming. And give me the fortitude to give it to you if you do it. The second point, a church where we are strengthened by the Spirit's power. You see it in verse 16 and 17, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. That's in your spirit. His Spirit in your spirit. Fill me up, Lord, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, inner being, hearts, mind, soul, spirit. It's the intangible part, like we said last week, right? God is spirit. You can't grab Him. You can't see this part of you on an x-ray machine. It's not happening. But God will strengthen that part of you that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It says that he will grant you through faith. When we receive Jesus Christ by faith, when we accept the blood of Jesus Christ as payment for our sin by faith, what Jesus Christ does is he sends the Holy Spirit into our life. We are literally baptized. That word means immersed in the Holy Spirit, at that moment when by faith, because God's grace activated our faith, we trust him for the first time to redeem us from our sin, to set us free, to use us to show his glory. It's amazing, isn't it? The Holy Spirit in me, God in me. It's crazy. And then we get into a baptism tank, like last week, and we show everybody outside what happened inside, because it's invisible. You can't see it. You can't see that immersion by the Holy Spirit. But then we take it to the tank, and we say, hey, 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 look it over here. Jesus is doing something. And what he's done inside of me, I want you to know outside of me. And so I'm getting baptized. Boom. He's immersed me. So we're full of the Holy Spirit. But many times, you're like, I don't feel very full of the Holy Spirit. Anybody? It's like, I don't know. I'm not feeling that full of the Holy Spirit today. Well, many times what happens is we grieve the Holy Spirit, like it says in Ephesians 4.30, or we quench the Holy Spirit, like it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. And we do those things because we continue to sin Knowing that grace will abound, right? God's still going to save us. God says, don't do that. Because then you're not going to live to the full. You're not going to have the power. You're not going to be strengthened with the Spirit like I want you to be. So I just wrote down, here's my sin, right? Here's the sins that get in the way. First, my pride. Number one. <laughs> Second, my position. I don't know who you are. But if you're a doctor or a nurse or you have some position or title or I'm the main volunteer at this organization, whatever your title is, it gets in the way. And then my people, my people. 
have my people call your people, right? I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about our people. I mean, look what all they did here. I did nothing. I showed up to preach. <laughs> my people are amazing. Those are God's people. They're not mine. And when I think they're mine, I'm sinning. Let's be honest. Sometimes we put our hope in our family or in our church friends or small group when we should be putting our hope and trust in God, in me. A couple more, my possessions. You ever get your eyes fixed on your possessions? The next 5G, the next, the next phone. I can't wait to have it. Okay, yeah, enough. We do. Man, you're asking me to give money? I don't know if I could do that, man. Like my possessions, I, I just, I gotta have it. <laughs> it's like, hey, if we all give something, there'll be a building on 37th Street one day. And everybody that drives by has to admit there's a God of glory. And everybody that drives by, if what's inside is what it should be, right? We don't buy a building for the outside. We do it to house what's on the inside, which is loving, awesome, God-honoring people. And if that's happening on the inside, they won't just drive by. They'll go, I hear something's happening there. I must go. I must see for myself the glory of God. And they'll come. It's not about our possessions and it's not about our plans, right? It's not about our plans, our projects, our passion. What, what you're excited about right now, <laughs> don't want to cramp your style, but it's really not important. Let's get on God's plan right? We'll find power in the Holy Spirit that way. Galatians 5.16 says this, but I say, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, all the things I just talked about. God is showing his power. Did you go through the lobby? That's God's power. That is nothing but God's power. You walk around that thing, you see the pictures, and you see the people's names, and you go, whoa, God! That is you. We are to rest in his strength and to bring more people to God and to change more lives. Why? By God's glory. All right. Has God changed you? Has he changed you, church? We're at the midway point. Okay, half time. Call time out. Let's just check in. Has God changed you? In the last seven years or however long you've been coming to harvest or when you met Jesus Christ, has God changed you? Great. Then you're going to show his glory. And all I'm asking you to do is just change a little bit more today. Just one degree more of glory, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I think that is, verse 18, talks about one degree of glory to another, that God's transforming us. He's changing us. And I love it for his glory. This third point, right from the text, we are full of the Savior's love. We are full of the Savior's love. We know the Son is the Savior. It's Christ. It's Jesus. It's the Messiah. It's the Prince of Peace. It's the Lord of Lords. It's the King of Kings. It's the Great I Am. That's His name. He's our Savior. He's my Savior. Is He your Savior? 
I'm going to flip over and just show you. Um, in our passage right here, it says, rooted and grounded. Let me read it for you. I'll start in verse 17. Pick it up right there. Do you see it? So that Christ, that's the Savior, may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's how you're going to be saved. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength, power, to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ. That's an intimate knowing. That surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. You know what? As I'm reading that, there's only one thing I can do. I can turn over to 1 John and I could talk about God's love. All right, so go ahead. I'm not just going to talk about love. I'm not just going to say, well, you know, when you look at your girl that way, that's love. <laughs> you know, when you <laughs> see that thing at the store you really need, that's love. I used to make jokes when I was a kid. Somebody say, I love licorice. Well, if you love it, why don't you marry it? Remember that one? <laughs> Go ahead, tell your neighbor. If you love it, why don't you marry it? Come on. So snotty. <laughs> so fun. Well, this isn't going to be snotty. This is going to be straight from the Word of God, and it's amazing. And this is about God's love. So let me just read it over you so that you will be full of the love of the Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Beloved, loved ones, everyone that's here, I can say that to you. I know he wrote this to the church, but God loves every single one of you. You are loved by God. You're beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his Son, Jesus, our Savior, into the world so that we might live through him, live through Jesus. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation. Yeah, that word trips me up too. It means payment, right? To be a payment for our sins. Beloved, loved ones, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. We talked about that last week, right? He's invisible. God is spirit. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Matter of fact, people can see God through the love we have for one another. By this, we know that if we by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit as power and we have seen and testified that the father sent his son to be the savior, there's our word, of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Amen. Come on, I want that. I did that. I have that. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. That should be circled in everyone's Bible. God 
is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. How? Jesus was loving, wasn't he? We're supposed to be loving, just like Jesus. Full of love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. I just want to talk about that last part just a second. Fear. There was a time from 5 to 17 when I thought I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I had said a prayer. I wanted to go to heaven to be with my mom and dad and unicorns and candy, you know, all that stuff. Cake, you know, whatever was good. Whatever the teacher said. And I prayed. I asked Jesus if I could go to heaven. Be careful of that. I'm not saying that's not true. But something should follow it, right? Love should follow it. That's what it's clear. And fear should not follow it. That's clear in the text. And so if you're fearing, if you're like coming to church and you're like, man, you're talking about this save thing again, and I'm all, every time you talk about it, I get all uptight. I'm so scared. Am I saved? Am I not? Quit messing with me. Perfect love casts out fear. Do you know God loves you? Jesus loves you. He died for you. Do you know that Jesus died for you? He died for you. That love that he has for you, it should cast out all fear. There is no fear of judgment to those who are called by the name of Christ. There's no fear in not making the mark. I, the mark doesn't depend on me. It depends on Jesus. So if he missed the mark, I'm missing it too. If he hit the mark, which it says he did in the scriptures, I'm hitting it too. I'm ready to die. I'm ready. Take me today, Lord, please. All the pain, all the sorrow, all the everything, just take it away. I'm ready to die because I know I'll see Jesus Christ face to face. I know he'll pick me up off the ground because I'll get low fast. And I know he's going to say, well done. He's going to say, look into my eyes. See the love that I have for you. And that will be glory. Oh, that will be glory for me. Glory for me, glory for me. When, by his grace, I will look on his face, that will be glory. Be glory for me. That's a hymn. It will never leave my mind. Because we want so badly to see God's glory. I'm telling you, the most tangible thing you could do to show God's glory is love. Love one another. Start thinking the best of your brother and sister. I know God's not finished with them yet. I know they're not everything you want them to be, your husband, your wife. But love them anyway. Isn't that what Jesus Christ did for us? I keep coming back to this verse. It's Romans 15, 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. 
Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you with love, open arms, for the glory of God. That's how you show God's glory. And we're going to do that, church, as far as it depends on me until the day I die, for sure. How are we doing, church? How are we doing in the love category? Are we full of the love of Christ? Maybe you're like, man, I want to be full of the love of Christ, but I'm just not there. I get it. There's days like that for me too. Today, just soak it all in. Soak every bit of it in. And then you can go read the scriptures. God love, this is God's love letter to you. You know, when the text says that you will know, that you will know, it's not like know like, hey, this is a textbook. If I just read more of it and have a lot of head knowledge, that's knowing. That's not a knowing. Knowing is when it hits your heart. When you believe it, when you believe this is God's love letter to you, when there's some hands-on experience, it's not a textbook, guys. It's reality. It's experience. I've experienced the love of God for me. He picked me out of the mire and planted me on a rock. It's pretty amazing what God's done for us. We are full of the Savior's love. We are full of the Savior's love. And then this last part, this last part, this is maybe just the cherry on top, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory. To him be glory. A church where we are ready to reflect God's glory. That's what we're going for. A church where we are ready to reflect God's glory. Are we ready to reflect God's glory? And we're taking a seven-week journey. And it's a bit of a test, right? How bright are we going to shine? It makes me nervous. I'm sure it made all of the elders nervous too when we signed off saying, yeah, we'll do the purchase agreement. Yeah, we got that. I think, God, please help. Just applying wisdom, just following the Lord's lead with hopes of reflecting God's glory. Did you know I read every verse in Scripture that uh, says the word glory this week? 338. If you just put in glor, G-L-O-R, it'll be more, Okay? because it's glorifying and glorious. There's a few more. I noticed something about glory. God is glory. All the way back to Moses, God showed up in glory in a cloud and in a fire. And then he said, make me a house, a tabernacle, so I can come dwell with you. I want to show up in glory. And when the cloud came down on the tabernacle, nobody could enter it for seven days. Glory. And when Moses did enter, his face was bright and he had to put a veil on it. Not us, huh? Don't do that. Don't veil the glory of God. And then it was in the Ark of the Covenant. And then it was in the temple. And I got to tell you this, by God's grace, it's in you now. 
God's glory is in you. Here's a couple of verses to remind you of that. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 say, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ. So glorify God in your body. God wants to reign in you, in me. We're the temple. And then this, just to sum it up, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do all. Everything you do, everything your hand finds, do all to the glory of God. That's what we're going for. I stopped short, so let me read it again. Not just glory in you, but glory in the church. Read it again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundant than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, he's going to use us. To him be glory. The next three words. In the church. Because when we gather glory-filled people, there's more glory. The glory shines brighter when we're together. That's why we want a building to house that much glory. So that it can shine brighter when we're together. It's a gathering place for the living stones. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, no matter if it's first generation, second generation, third generation, fourth generation, 5G, no matter how many generations there are. May it be more glorifying to his name than ever before. Church, are we ready? I'm asking you, are we ready to reflect the glory of God? I pray we are. I think today has helped. It sure helped me. So as you kind of process it for the next week, right? I've been processing this week. Now I got to move on to the next one growing, right? But would you be thinking about glorifying this week until we get to the next one? Would you be thinking about, did that, did that create glory, God? Did that reflect glory, God? Did that help in any way to glorify you today, God? Remember our mission? To glorify God <laughs> through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment. Let's get after it. Let's pray. Father God, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for your strength. We're dependent on you. We're strengthened by you. We love you. We're full of your love. And we so desperately want to reflect your glory. We so desperately want to reflect your glory. To let our light shine. So that others may see our good works and glorify the Father who's in heaven. Matthew 5.16. That's what we want, God. We want to reflect your glory. We want to shine bright so others might see. So God, open up the heavens. 
Rend the heavens and come down that the mountains might quake at your presence. The mountains of money, the mountains of trials, the mountains of ailments, the mountains of whatever we're facing, God, as a church or individual. Would your glory overcome it for your name? Would you show us your glory, God, and reflect it in us so that others may see the glory of God in us? In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.